0: There's a lot of great things happening at Tennessee Athletics.
1: I believe this city is going to be upside down tonight. Season-long party continues at Rocky Top.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the launch of our new Tennessee Athletics podcast, Everything Orange. I am your host, Sarah Detweiler, and I cannot believe the time has finally come. We've been planning and working on making this idea a reality for months now. And I'm just so happy to have all of you here along for the journey. A few things to note this is an Everything Sports podcast. We will be sitting down and talking to athletes and coaches across all of our athletic programs. We'll even have some bonus episodes with alumni joining us as well in the future. As for today's episode, I am so excited to introduce our guest who I feel like needs no introduction. He played quarterback at Tennessee for four seasons from 1994 to 1997. He passed for over 11,000 yards leading the Vols to an SEC championship title in 1997. He later went on to be the first overall pick in the 1998 NFL draft by the Indianapolis Colts where he led them to a Super Bowl victory in 2007 and later the Denver Broncos in 2016. He founded the Omaha Productions Company, is a host of the Monday Night Football Manning cast, and was recently named a new professor at the College of Communications and Information on campus. Here he is, our first guest on Everything Orange, Peyton Manning. Thank you so much for joining me on our first episode of the podcast launching with you is so exciting you never failed to show love to your alma mater and we appreciate it so much so thanks for coming on and talking with me today
1: thanks for having me sarah appreciate it
0: so first let's talk about last season because i think it's pretty indisputable that tennessee is an everything school you had the football team win the new year's six bowl game you had both men's and women's basketball make it to the sweet 16 you had softball and baseball show up in the World Series. So can you just talk about how how exciting it is that Tennessee is on the rise right now?
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible year all the way around. Uh, school, sports, uh, all things Tennessee. Uh, obviously, starting in the fall, football season was exciting. I got to see four games in person. And to finish out uh, with an Orange Bowl victory uh, over Clemson was a lot of fun. We were down there for our uh, Christmas break. And it was a great way to finish the season. I was in Knoxville for the Bama game. Uh, I'm sure people that weren't even at that game, Sarah, are saying they were at that game, but I was actually there. Um, um, I had a friend uh, come, and he told me he left in the fourth quarter to go back to the hotel. I'm like, how could you just miss maybe the greatest game uh, of the year, maybe in the past 20 years? So uh, anyway, uh, I keep reminding him of that. Uh, yeah, I was at the College World Series proud of to Tony Uh uh, got had a great business with uh, Karen and, and the uh, Lady Ball softball team before they went to the World Series. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to be an alum. It's an exciting time certainly to be a student and uh, looking forward to another great run at it this year.
0: You have so many priorities. You've got your family. You've got your own personal career going on, but you always make time for Tennessee. You always have and you always will. Why is that so important to you?
1: Well, it's just an important part of my life. My four-year years there in Knoxville were very impactful. Uh, I've said it before, but, you know, my first three years, I met so many great people, students, teachers, uh, teammates, uh, alums, people in Knoxville, people all over the state of Tennessee. And that was a big reason why I ended up staying for my senior year, even though I'd already graduated. And uh, so, uh, to me, that that decision was all about Tennessee and – I never wanted to forget uh, the four years that I had there, the impact that it had on me. And I've tried to give back in in, in different ways. And I've enjoyed being a part of just sort of the Tennessee alumni team, if you will, with the scholarship programs that we've started and, and doing some internships now uh, via Omaha. It's a great way to stay connected uh, to the university. And um, it's just been a special place to me. And I tell people, all the time. When I went and visited uh, University of Tennessee, I'd never been to Knoxville, didn't know anybody, didn't have a lot of friends there, didn't have family there. But everybody treated me so well and kind of embraced me uh, like uh, I was one of their own. I've never forgotten that. And uh, I've enjoyed being a part of the Tennessee family for all these years.
0: And when I think back to your time at Tennessee, one of the coolest memories that i think of is when you got to lead the Pride of the Southland Band for the first time. So can you talk me through how that all came to be and that first experience that turned into a legacy here?
1: Right. Well, it it's kind of started in, in 1995 when we went down to uh, Alabama and beat Alabama in Birmingham. I remember I had to do an interview after the game and I kind of missed like all of the celebration. All my teammates were talking about, man, how cool was that? We were you know, hanging out with the fans in the stands and hanging out with the band. And it was awesome. I'm like, I I missed it. I was doing some interview. And so sure enough, uh, two years later, we went back and we won the game again. And I'm like, I'm not missing this celebration. And so uh, I was kind of jogging over to the student section where most of the Tennessee fans were. Uh, And I remember somebody saying, hey, do you want to go go lead the band? And I was like, sure. It sounds great. And Uh, stood up there on the ladder and uh, felt like I kind of had everybody in rhythm. Then I looked down below and the real band director was doing it, you know, (laughs) the conducting it below me. It was very humbling, but uh, got to do it then and and got to do it uh, for my last game uh, in Knoxville uh, against Vanderbilt, did it again there. That was cool to do it at home. And then did it one more time uh, when we beat Auburn in the SEC championship. So three pretty uh, iconic places to do it. Legion field, um, uh, the SEC championship, but nothing better than doing it at your home stadium. Um, um after a, a, after a victory, obviously at Neal Stadium, that was pretty special, and it's cool to see a lot of these quarterbacks kind of keeping on with that tradition. Saw Hendon uh, do it this year. Um, I got to do it again at game day with uh, Pat McAfee earlier this year. We got to work on Pat's conducting skills, but uh, it was cool to see Hendon do it and kind of talk about uh, sort of continuing the tradition
0: besides football you give back in more ways and more sports than one you mentioned the softball team before the NCAA Super Regional zooming in and talking to all the athletes there and then making the trip out to Omaha so you spread yourself not just within football but across all of the athletic programs why is that so important to you to show each and every sport here so much love
1: well sure I mean uh you're a I'm a former football player but I'm a you know Tennessee Volunteer, VFL, if you will, and I think that certainly uh, uh, carries outside of football. And I've got I've enjoyed getting to know um, a lot of these coaches, and you know, have their phone numbers and establish a friendship with them. You know, I stay in touch with Rick Barnes, and uh, uh, Tony um, has uh, been a great host to uh, some of my friends that have come in town uh, for Tennessee football games. You know, and I've been tied up, and Tony's kind of uh, you know taking them around town, so he's been a good friend. Um, and obviously I've gotten to know you, know, you know, Karen, uh, uh, for a long time, you know, her and Ralph have been there for so many years and, uh, you know, I've always kind of stayed in touch with them, but, uh, you know, Karen asked me if I would, you know, zoom in. So I was honored to do that. It was fun watching, uh, the lady balls play, you know, all season, but especially, uh, just a magical, you know, playoff run, if you will. And and went in that super regional. So, uh, yeah. Um, you, know, you try to help out any way you can uh you know try to be an ambassador i'm always available if somebody calls me the omaha connection is just too easy with, with baseball <laughs> teams so,
0: exactly you know, right it's uh
1: it, it's uh, it's nice and convenient to be able to have that little punchline, I guess, to those skits.
0: And then not just sports too, you're involved in academics as well. You've had your Peyton Manning scholarship up and running for a while, and now you are a new professor here in the College of Communications and Information. It's also exciting. So talk to me about the academic side a little bit too.
1: Yeah, I've enjoyed being a part of the scholarship program really since I left Tennessee. We started uh, the Manning scholarship with some postgraduate money that I had earned via some awards, uh, you know, uh, they gave money. So we sort of established an endowment and kind of added to that. Ashley and I have through the years started with one uh, Manning scholarship winner back in, I want to say 1999 was our first year, maybe 98. And uh, now we're almost over 50. We're given four a year. We're actually about to make the presentation uh, to the four new Manning Scholars uh, coming up later this month, uh, which is always a fun time for me to you know meet these kids uh, that are coming to Tennessee and, and hearing kind of the impact that that scholarship can have on them or on what it does for their family. Maybe it allows their younger brother or sister to go to college also. So scholarships are impactful. So um, I, I'm very proud of that association. And then obviously, you know, this this new, uh, I'd be careful using the word professor. I, I'm not sure I've heard <laughs> uh, that title and uh uh it's a it's a fun another uh, fun way to stay close to the to the university it's uh, I think the the article uh, might have misled some people. I'm not quite moving to Knoxville I and mean, it won't be uh teaching every single day. I had some people asking me if I'm moving uh from Denver that is not true uh this is you know th- this is the uh just sort of an arrangement to do it you know several times a year in person and some via Zoom, but uh, you know, try to share some of the things that I've learned along the way about giving speeches and communication, and now kind of do the, do the stuff with all, all that we're doing uh, that can kind of affect you know these students in this uh, uh, in the in the College of Communications department.
0: I think on social media there were so many alumni that were jealous that they couldn't come back to school to take your class. Everybody <laughs> wanted to come back and be a student and have you as their. Uh, professor, but what in those classes are you most looking forward to?
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, the first one is set for, you know, for later this month. And Dr. John Haas, who we actually started the scholarship in his name, he was one of my professors. He was actually my advisor. Um, He was the one that, uh, boy, he had a big impact on me as I was going through that. Should I stay or should I go? He was the one that kind of helped me take all my classes in case I did leave early. And I was gonna be able to graduate on time. And because of that, that actually allowed me more time to decide in that fall in that spring of my junior year. And I didn't have to decide till March. And I ended up staying. And I think because of Dr. Haas sort of finding that loophole that that I had more time to decide, uh anyway, he's had a big impact on me. So he's still there. So so uh, he's gonna guide me uh, early on. Um I think uh you know, he and I have been going back and forth about some topics that he thinks That the students would enjoy hearing about and he's kind of been asking me some questions to think about and so uh i'm gonna look i i'm an amateur in this department right so i'm gonna go to an old veteran professor like dr haas to kind of guide me early on but you know uh and i think uh, a lot of it is going to be you know answering the questions you know that these students have uh, things that they're curious about and, and things that maybe i've done in my past that i can help provide some guidance on
0: switching gears a little bit I want to break down the Alabama game with you because you were there as a fan you got to experience that game with your family can you take me through the final drive the field goal and the celebration afterwards from your
1: perspective well I was I was sitting in the stands I was with my son Marshall and um uh one of his friends and uh we had we had good seats right there but the, the field goal was kind of on the other side um of the uh of where we were sitting so i mean you just knew that game was going to go down to the last minute i mean it looked like alabama was going to have uh you know sort of the final say but you know you kind of near the team with the ball in their hands at the end was certainly going to have a chance to win it and uh you know hendon made that incredible you know throw downfield to convert uh, to get us a first down to get us in the field goal range that was an incredible play and then you know, I think everybody was saying, surely this is this is going to be easy. The field goal; it's a done deal. I don't think you ever totally look at it that way when you haven't beaten the team uh, for that many years. So it's probably only appropriate that the ball sort of, kind of knuckled in, right? I think a direct shot through the middle of the uh, of the uprights would have been even too easy, right? Let's make it a little more uh, difficult, a little more dramatic to add to the effect of the game. But uh, actually, storm the field. Um, after uh, the game with my son Marshall, and got got asked to go into the locker room, which um, what was cool. You know, like, the play the locker room is the players' locker room, but that was their experience, But it was cool to see a lot of people in there. There were uh, you know families of coaches, and you could tell some friends of the players, and and so uh, it was nice that the program Josh uh, Heupel and his staff allowed other people to celebrate in that. And I think there's a lot of people that. Felt the impact of that victory. A lot of people had wanted that victory for a long time. So, um, you know, a win like that can can hopefully springboard you. It's not. It's more than just one game. I think it can really springboard uh, you. You know, you to other victories, not just in that season as well.
0: You beat Alabama as a player, and now seeing such an important game as a fan can you talk to me about the difference in perspective for you having done that as a quarterback when you were here and versus now as a fan
1: I think you always kind of separate separate the two you know my four years there at Tennessee uh had some had some great robberies and had some big wins but uh you know um I'm just happy for, for other players to be able to experience um winning and and the energy that Knoxville and Nealon Stadium is capable of, right? I think everybody got to see it last year, and so uh, I know as former players, uh, we're proud that that energy and excitement is back. It's fun to come back and watch, but also for the players today to, to truly experience what it's like. Um, and I think, you know, Danny White, his staff have done an incredible job of making the stadium experience—I mean, really cool with the fireworks and the lights. I mean, it's a fun happening event anyway when you add in you know lots of points and touchdowns and victories that's uh that's probably over the top
0: And now we're going to switch real quick to just a couple of rapid-fire questions. The first I have for you is your favorite Rocky Top moment. At the CMAs last year, you were on the stage with Luke Bryan, and you played Rocky Top, and he had had it. He wasn't having it at all hearing, you know, his rivalries, uh, song. And then you also led the band um, during College Game Day last season as well. Which one was your favorite? Uh,
1: That's a good question. Those are two pretty – pretty highlight moments. Uh, you know, uh, still having a Rocky topic part of my life all these years back. I remember kind of learning the words, uh, as a freshman there back in 94 and we're uh, um, we're singing it, uh, maybe, uh, it's various, uh, venues, uh, throughout my, uh, throughout my lifetime, but to still be doing it, uh, all these years later. Yeah. I think just the fact that I was kind of able to make Luke Bryan suffer. I was, I enjoyed that, you know, uh, he doesn't like that. Obviously, he's a big Georgia Bulldog. So uh, Game Day was cool. But I think the fact that Luke and his kind of misery, uh, I probably enjoyed that more.
0: Definitely. We all enjoyed watching it, too. That's for sure. <laughs> and then my final question for you, and maybe my most important question for you, is when you hear the song Rocky Top and you're singing along, do you woo?
1: I, I don't really, more than I think about it. I... Um, a lot of times, you know, unfortunately, I've been asked to sing Rocky Top in public, on stage occasionally. I think Lee Rice and I sang it, it, it in Nashville at a, at a hockey top several years ago. And I feel like the main chorus, the Rocky Top, I'm using that to be sure that I know the words coming up in the next verse, right? There's nothing worse than being asked to sing on stage with a musician and not know the words, and especially (laughs) that song, of all things. So, you know, uh, the main verse, that's kind of my filler. I know that. So I usually don't woo because I'm getting ready for corn. Um, I'm getting ready for, you know, once when I was, you know, just that that starter line of the next verse. And so I don't woo, but uh, nothing against people that do woo. I'm all for it, right? Sure. Or whatever you want to do it.
0: Right. It's just to keep you like mentally in the zone. Make sure he doesn't throw you off or anything. I understand.
1: Exactly. exactly. Totally yeah, I, know I, was, I went to a Parker McCollum concert the other night in Denver and he wanted me to come out and sing Red Dirt Road by Brooks and Dawn, which I know the song, but, you know, a couple of times I just kind of hum a couple of the verses. He's like, I want you to sing this one. So I spent the whole concert studying the words <laughs> right. for Red Dirt Road and I missed some of my favorite Parker McCollum songs. So with Rocky Top, I don't have that problem. I know the words uh, back and forth, but still, when you get in the moment, you still want to be sure that you're sharp and you know that next line coming up.
0: Well, Peyton, that was all the questions that I have for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and being the first guest to launch our new podcast. I appreciate it so much. And it was so fun talking to you and having you on.
1: Sarah, thanks for having me. Go balls.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Everything Orange. Be sure to follow us on all of our Vol Sports platforms so you don't miss a single update. But before we go, here's a look at Tennessee in 20 seconds. Soccer has a home matchup against East Tennessee State tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Volleyball is kicking off their regular season with a home match against Texas State at 6.30 on Friday followed by two matches on Saturday against Marist at 12.30 and UT Martin at 6.30. Soccer then travels to Southern Methodist University on Sunday. Their kickoff time is 8 o'clock Eastern time. And lastly, men's and women's tennis have pro events going on at the Good Friend Tennis Center all next week. Well, that's a wrap on Rocky Top. Tune in next Thursday for another episode of Everything Orange. Bye, y'all.